love the way that you worship. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to God for all of you. And if you are a guest here, we've, there have been some Sundays I've stood up here and I didn't know 30% of you. Uh, it, it has been a season of harvest here um, that has been absolutely incredible. And so if you are a first-time guest here today, our greatest desire is that you would just enter in. And, and if you come from a, a particular background where we are way more expressive than what you have come from, then, then what I ask is that would you just ask the Lord, Lord, can I feel comfortable here? Just ask the Lord, and uh, He'll do a great work. We'll, he will do a great work. For the past several weeks, since the beginning of the year, I have been in the middle of a series, and could you turn these lights up for me just a little bit more? Thank you been in the middle of a series about when the church prays and how we are to approach God. And the first several messages of this was, was how do we approach God in prayer? What do we say to Him? What is the attitude by which that we approach Him? The desperation of that and the pleading with God, standing in the gap. The last several weeks we have sat back and recognized that in our prayer life, not only is there the time that we approach God with what we bring to Him, but those that are great prayers recognize there's an aspect of that where you stop asking and start listening. That you give God the opportunity to speak to you. And that He is active in the way that He speaks to us. And so we have been going through what are some of the languages by which God speaks to His people. And today I want to approach the topic of how God speaks to us in dreams and visions. In dreams and visions. If ever there was a time when it is important for believers individually and important for churches corporately to hear what the Spirit of God is saying, it's today. If ever there was a time that we need to tune our hearts and our spiritual ears to the frequency of the languages of God to hear what heaven is saying to us, I believe it's today. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is this. Do we believe that one word of God changes everything? Do we believe that if I hear a voice from heaven, if I hear a word from God, it can change everything? Because if you believe that, then you will be an active listener to what the Spirit of the Lord says to us. So the question that I ask us today is this. Are we positioned in prayer? Are we positioned as believers? Are we positioned as a church to hear from God? One of the languages that God uses to speak to us is through dreams and visions. And the way that I'm going to approach this topic today is the way that I try to approach every topic, and that is with Scripture. We need Scripture for what we are going to be talking about today. And so I'm going to ask if you would start today by turning in your Bibles or your electronic devices to Joel chapter 2. I'm going to be reading verse 28. And even before I read the Scripture, I want to point out something to you. I want you to be aware of the multi-generational application that is given within this verse. The reason I say that is I am grateful that as Grace Assembly, as I look around, I recognize that for some of your families, there are four generations of you that attend this church. I believe that that's a sign of health when generations can get together and worship the Lord together. I also want you to understand the prophetic nature of God as He begins to speak, recognizes 
the multi-generational aspect of this, and it tells us in verse 28 of Joel 2, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. How many of you are ready for God to pour out his spirit upon you because you are an all people and you qualify? Your sons and daughters will prophesy. By the way, I do want you to know that downstairs in children's church, this takes place regularly. There is not an age limit by which God says, when you have reached it, I can use you. He is speaking through our children. And I'm grateful for Pastor Julie's leadership there. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Now, I was told today that the reason that old men dream dreams is because we old men sleep longer. <laughs> I'm not certain of the truth of that, but obviously there's some generational aspect to this. Many of you remember a few months ago when the Afghan refugee crisis was taking place. My wife and I had been told by our daughter that we needed to tap into what was then a coded podcast that was being broadcast from that area, and the couple that was being interviewed had their voices modulated so that they could not be tracked. And they begin to tell a remarkable story that since that time has come and their lives are no longer in danger, they have written this out. And, but the couple that was being interviewed was talking about how God directed them through the areas of dreams and visions. The man's name was Emmanuel, and he was born and raised in Iran, and he grew up a Shia Muslim. So prayer was part of his religious routine. But when he prayed, he had gotten to the place where he felt no one was listening he felt as if he was using words and there was absolutely no response. And so in explaining this to a friend, the friend said, I've got something that may help. And he gave him a Bible and he told him that Jesus wants to talk to him. So Emmanuel asked Jesus to reveal himself to him if he was real. And that is precisely what happened. Emmanuel had a vision. And in this vision, he heard a voice and as a result of the encounter he had with Jesus through this vision, he turned his life from the Muslim faith and became a Christ follower. He recognized that because of his newfound faith in Christ that his life was in jeopardy, so he fled his country. And this is how Emmanuel met his future wife, Amanda, in Istanbul, Turkey. When Emmanuel got there, he joined a Christian group because he was looking for people who had a similar faith to what he was now experiencing. And he met the leader there, and in a group of people together, he began to explain to them, God spoke to me, and he told me that in a group, he saw a woman, and God spoke to him and said, this woman is to be your wife. Only problem, Amanda didn't speak his language. She was from Kurdistan. They couldn't understand each other, had difficulty in communicating. So on the podcast, he told the leader of this group what God had spoken to him, and the leader of the group recognized the young lady and said, I will set up an opportunity where a few of us can get together and you can begin to explain this. So with the help of interpreters, they found Amanda. They got together. Just as a side note, by the way, when you're meeting a woman who doesn't speak your language and doesn't know who you are, and you tell her, God told me that you're going to be my wife, that's called taking a risk. <laughs> Interesting enough, as this conversation went forward, Amanda likewise 
had felt strangely drawn, even though she couldn't understand all that was going on, and felt a peace about the situation and agreed to marry him. To make a very long and interesting story much shorter, after they were married, the morning they woke up on their first morning being married, Emmanuel suddenly and miraculously was able to both understand her Kurdish language and speak it fluently. It reminds me, reminds me of the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. So the newlywed couple fled from Turkey and traveled by boat to Greece, and while they were on the boat, she got ill, and they put them in a tent refugee camp that was taking place there, and Amanda became deathly ill. One night, in the middle of all of these tents, in the middle of all of these refugees, there was a light that showed up in their tent, and Emmanuel heard a whisper that he said, I, I instantly understood that the whisper was the same voice that had talked to me when I was in Iran. And the voice said to him, relax, help is on the way. The next day, out of all of this huge places where tent were being set up, two women showed up at their tent and said, God sent us to this tent to tell you that we can help you. They got Amanda to a hospital, but doctors were not able to solve her problems and couldn't understand her symptoms. One night while laying in the hospital, Amanda had a dream. And in her dream, Jesus came and stood beside her bed, and he laid his hands upon her head, and he prayed that she would be healed. When she woke up the next morning, her symptoms were gone. The doctors did not want her to leave, but Amanda checked herself out of the hospital and asked the Christian leaders of this newfound faith that she had just discovered to please baptize her in water as quickly as possible. This couple has become the first Arabic-speaking pastors of a church in Greece, and God is using them now in some prophetic and powerful and miraculous ways. We look at this story that we hear, and we're going, just another day at the office. Everything seems normal. Maybe not to us, but God is using dreams and visions to bring people to himself all over the world right now. Muslim refugees are coming to faith in Christ because of visions, because of miracles, because of dreams and the hospitality of Christians. And many of them are coming and saying, I have met Jesus in a dream and they don't even have Bibles. And as I begin to see that, I'm going... God is speaking to people in languages that they can understand. Can you hear what the Spirit is saying to the church? And as we study the Bible, we are reminded that God is doing now what He did then. And maybe He wants to do here what He is doing there. God speaks in the languages of dreams. For those of you taking note, that would be the title of the first point. When dreams are mentioned in the Bible, they are almost always prophetic in nature. And when they are fulfilled at a later time, they are validated as having been sourced from God. And there seems to be, as we begin to study the word, no dialect that God speaks more fluently or frequently in Scripture, whether it is visions 
by day or dreams by night, obviously God is a dream giver and a dream speaker. Let me give you just a brief history, and this is not all-inclusive, of some of the history of dreams in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 28, verses 12 through 14, records Jacob's dream at a place called Bethel that changed the trajectory of his life. Interesting enough that after having this experience of God's encountering him through a dream, that he would doubt his own son when his son would come to him later on and say, I have been spoken to in a dream. We know later on in Genesis 41 that his son Joseph interpreted two dreams that saved two nations. In Daniel chapter 2, the prophet Daniel interpreted a dream that saved the wise men of Babylon. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 12, the wise men, after finding Jesus, were warned in a dream not to return the same way. If there was ever a biblical character that we look at in Scripture that knew the value of hearing from God in dreams, it had to be Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. Because he had already decided, the Scripture says, during the day that he was going to put Mary away, divorce her privately. And in the night, when he was asleep, Joseph was convinced that Mary was pregnant by the Holy Spirit in a dream. God spoke to him in a dream and gave him direction of what he was to do. That was dream number one. In dream number two, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, he was warned to flee Bethlehem and go to Egypt so that the Messiah would be saved. A little later on in chapter 2 of Matthew, in verses 19 and 20, while in Egypt, he had a third dream where he learns that it's safe to return to Israel. And then two verses later, he has a fourth dream that he hears from the Lord that warned of dangers, and so he traveled to Galilee instead of going back to Judea. Obviously, Joseph had a way of understanding God when he would speak to him in dreams. We never hear much of Joseph in the Bible. But what I like about what I read from him is that he had a certainty when he heard of dreams that were from God and with great conviction and obedience was not afraid to act when God spoke to him. Amen. In fact, God speaks so regularly in dreams in the Bible that I have oftentimes read the words and completely ran right by it. As I was preparing and studying for this, I went ahead and did a little study on dreams in the Bible and was stunned at how many times it takes place. In fact, in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5, it starts out like this. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. Now, before I go any farther, let me just give the context of this. I want you to note that everything that takes place from this moment on takes place in the context of a dream when Solomon is asleep. And in verse 8, it says this, Your servant is here among people that you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this, so God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, 
nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice. I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never be anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you've not asked for. I, I just want to stop here for a moment. Is God not cool? I so appreciate what you ask for. I'm going to add a little extra. I love a God of extras. I love a God of extras. So he says, I'm going to give you what you've not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and you keep my decrees and my commands, as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke. And he realized it had been a dream. All of this was the beginning of him becoming the wisest man on earth. So how does God do it? How does God do it? To fully appreciate the language of dreams, we need to learn a little bit about neuroanatomy. Now, I am stepping into a subject that I want you to know instantly is way over my head. And so I'm going to speak a layman's language here, but I recognize that there are many of you that are in the medical field that are in our church and many of you that are watching online and you understand all of this. There is nothing more mysterious and more miraculous than your brain and how it functions. On a large scale, just basically, we know that our brain consists of two hemispheres that function like parallel processors. And their functions intercept each other and they overlap. And we know that the left brain produces logic and the right brain produces imagination. And so for all of you who have much keener insight into how our brains function, you understand this way more than I do. But here's what I know about my brain. It is now 2 minutes to 12 and I know that the moment that I walk into an Italian restaurant and I smell chicken parmesan... My brain interacts with my saliva glands. And something begins to happen there that the receptors of my brain are going, this is going to be good. I also know that in a very easy way that when somebody shares with me good news that instantly something transfers from my brain and my face begins to take on a smile or a joyful look because the way that we are all connected in this. And so we recognize God has the ability to speak to us through dreams and visions because God knit us together in our mother's womb and we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And if we believe that God created your mind and your parts that he... Why wouldn't we also believe that he built into us receptors that could hear the voice of God speak to us through the languages of dreams and visions? So when you put the function of your brain together with the Scripture, this is what we come up with in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven: Love the Lord your God with all your heart. In other words, do you see the invitation to intimacy? The invitation of God to intimacy. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your... There it is. When we pursue intimacy with God, we open up our mind to things that the Spirit may want to say to us. 
And you begin to recognize that God has created ways in our minds and in our brains that function as avenues by which He can speak to us. And so He talks to us at the level of our thoughts and our ideas and our dreams because He created the pathways for those things to take place. For those of you that have attended here any length of time, you've heard me tell this story before, but it fits so well here. I have an account that was shared with me by a doctor that is very close to me. And he called because he wanted to share an experience that had taken place during surgery. He's a medical doctor in the Air Force, and he had called to say one of the men that I care for was hit by an RPG, and there had been over 60 wounds on his body. He was being flown out of the arena to Germany, and the surgical team was being flown to meet him there. And there they assembled to take care of the many wounds that this man had had. And during surgery, while this soldier was under anesthesia, Jesus showed up to him in a dream and had a conversation with him. When the soldier came out of surgery, he called for the doctor and he said, I need to tell you something. While you were doing surgery on me, I was lifted to a place where I could see everything that was taking place and Jesus spoke to me. He told me that I'm going to live, but I'm going to be in a wheelchair. He gave me direction for my life that I'm supposed to become a chaplain after this. And he allowed me an opportunity to receive him as my Savior while I was under anesthesia. And all of this took place in the level of subconscious while surgery was taking place. When I heard that account and he said to me, have you ever heard of this before? I said, nope. But why should it shock us? What it led me to believe is this. We may be stunned when we get to heaven of the number of people that God began to speak to the receptors that he created them that may not have made it through surgery but got saved while they were in surgery that we knew nothing about. We just knew that we had been praying for them. It may be that there were those that were in comas, that we thought there's no communication taking place, that because of the receptors that God has placed and built into them by His creation, spoke to them at levels that you and I could never understand, that when we hear their testimony, we're going to stand and give glory to God for what He has accomplished in this. In each of these cases, we've seen divine guidance and warning was provided through the instances of dreams. In our text, Joel said that God would give both dreams and visions. The difference between dreams and visions is really easy. Dreams happen when you're asleep. Visions come when you're awake. So how does God then speak through visions? Visions occur frequently through the Bible as instruments of supernatural revelation. They are audiovisual means of communication between our Father and the earthly recipient. The terms that are used to designate visions in the Bible and in both Testaments have to do with our ability to see things and perceive things on a spiritual level that might not be naturally seen and might not be naturally perceived. How many of you know that our relationship with God takes place at a supernatural level? And so because of this, there's communication that goes on there. The Old Testament term for visions comes from the verbs ra or haza, and it simply means to look at or to see. In the New Testament, 
Horeo is the Greek word. It's a verb that says that the people can observe or perceive, but it is a common term used for spiritual visions, and they are likewise mentioned several times throughout the Bible. Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia that brought the gospel to Europe. Isaiah 6.1 tells us that Isaiah also saw the Lord in a vision sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. God used visions to speak to Ezekiel by the Kibar River and Isaiah after King Uzziah died. In Acts 7, as Stephen is being stoned, he lifts up his eyes and he sees a vision of the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of the, of the Father. In fact, this whole Revelation book is built on a moving vision that took place when John is on the island of Patmos. And then we look at this and say, how then does God speak to us? Through visions. One of the most fascinating parts of the Scripture, particularly in the New Testament, is a series of two visions that took place simultaneously that changes the way you and I worship God today. You see, Cornelius was a Gentile. was not part of the Jewish faith. But he had a vision. It tells us in Acts chapter 10 that at Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all of his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day about three in the afternoon he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a, name, a, a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. You like the specificness of God at work here? When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants, and he told them everything that had happened, and he sent them to Joppa. This is the first vision. God speaking in a vision to Cornelius, inviting them to be one people. Even though Cornelius was not Jewish, the Scripture de describes him as a devout man, hungry after the things of God. He concerned himself with God. He feared God, and he worshiped God, and he continually prayed. Notice in this vision that God is the one who does the initiating and the seeking. God did this. Simultaneously to a vision that was taking place to a Gentile, Peter also has a vision in verses 9 through 16. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to the earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but those were dangerous words. When, when God is telling you something and you're going, no way. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. And the voice spoke to him a second time. 
Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back into heaven. So in this second vision, God taught Peter so that Peter could understand at the simultaneous time, simultaneously speaking to Cornelius, how men who were considered unclean by the Jews could be considered clean through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Peter learned in the middle of this vision that there was a difference between God's favor and favoritism. And accepting and receiving Gentiles into the full communion was a great hurdle for the Jewish church and the apostles to overcome. Jesus was saying, I am about to graft in Gentiles into the kingdom of God. And I know it's a radical vision, so radical that Peter, who may be considered the most radical of all of the disciples, had to have God tell him three times. This is the man who jumped out of a boat and walked on water. So radical was what God was asking him to do. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ today and you are not Jewish... You owe your spiritual lineage to these two visions that took place, that opened the door for you and me to be followers of Jesus Christ. Now, I am not suggesting to you in any way that our visions or that our dreams are equal to Scripture because they are not. But dreams and visions appear to be a natural byproduct of people who are filled with the Spirit of God. That in intimacy, as you pursue the heart of God, He begins to speak to you through the receptors of your mind in ways that other people may know nothing about. And I was thinking about that this morning, thinking, you know, if we get to be a people that are a persecuted church, I will love knowing that if they take my Bible from me, they've not stopped the receptors that God can continue to speak into my mind and heart because of what He has built into us. So I want to conclude with this point. How do we then evaluate dreams and visions? How do we evaluate these things? Whenever dreams and visions are discussed, three questions immediately come to mind. Number one, are such things really possible today? Number two, if they are, what part do they have in determining the will of God for your life? And number three, if you think you've had a dream or a vision or some kind of supernatural experiences, what guidelines should you follow in evaluating that experience? Five things you need to know very quickly. Number one, not every dream is from God. Not every dream is from God. Listen to this warning in Jeremiah 23. I have heard what the prophets say who prophesy lies in my name. They say, I had a dream. I had a dream. How long will this continue in the hearts of these lying prophets who prophesy the delusions of their own minds? They think the dreams that they tell one another will make my people forget my name, just as their fathers forgot my name through Baal worship. Let the prophet who has a dream tell his dream, but let the one who has my word speak it faithfully. For what has straw to do with grain, declares the Lord, is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. In other words... Don't let your guard down just because somebody comes to you and says, I've got a dream. I feel that this dream is from God. We are people of the Word. We will be people of the Word because we know it is the Word that protects us. 
And if you see a comparison here, you notice quickly that there are lying prophets that will deceive people with lying dreams. And so again, in the context of intimacy, we pursue the heart of God, knowing that He can reveal those things to us. The warning is clear. Don't trust in dreams, but in the written Word of God. Secondly, dreams are often given in allegory or symbolism. The meaning of dreams is not always easily discernible. In fact, as we look at the example that we saw today, if Peter had to process a dream three times, then we probably will too. Some dreams make immediate sense. Others may take decades for you to make sense of them. And dreams are like doors. It's often that once you begin to enter into one, you will find another. You will find another as God begins to lead through those. I told you a few weeks ago about a series of prophetic words that have been given to me from dreams and visions of others over the last six years that have had remarkable symmetry in their theme. The first vision that I had received six years ago from a wonderful lady, she described to me that the vision that she had saw as it relates to the church and the ministry was described as a vapor that was emanating, that covered our whole city. Two other people, over a period of several months, approached me and described a dream, seeing something very similar to what was told me, but they described it as a fog that was rising up out of the church, beginning to cover the city. Another described a very similar dream, but their description to me was, I saw incense rising from the worship of God's people that begin to settle in places around here. Another described a year later saying, I don't know what you should do with this, but I, in a dream, saw a spring of water coming out of the middle of a desert, and it began to flood an area that had been longing for refreshment for a long time. Another individual approached me and saw in a dream a series of tornadoes of the Spirit of God that were emanating from places that God wanted to do work that was both encouraging the church and tearing down strongholds in central New York that appears to have been placed over us through the prayers of our enemies for years. And when I asked each of them, what do you think this means? Each of them referred to a revival of Pentecost and the fulfillment of a prophecy that came a hundred years ago when Grace Assembly was first founded. And it appears to have this congregation in an influential role. I am certain that God is positioning His believers and empowering them to accomplish His purpose. And I am just as Certain about this, listen very closely. God will not share his glory with any man. God will not share his glory with any woman. He will not share his glory with any pastor, and he will not share his glory with any church. We do not have the option of standing back and smiling and patting ourselves on the back thinking that somehow we are special. All we know is that God is up to something, and if we humbly humbly approach Him 
and ask that his will be done, we qualify ourselves for what God wants to accomplish. So we do not seek to be elevated. We seek to be empowered to do the work of God for his glory's sake. Thirdly, be willing to submit your dreams to those who may have a gift of interpretation. First of all, always start with God. If you have a dream, don't you dare run to somebody else and say, I've got a dream, until you take it to God. That which he gives, he will instruct. If after doing that, you feel directed to a mature believer that you believe may be able to help you, then you follow in obedience to that. But just as those, there are those that the Scripture tells us are gifted with the gift of interpretation as it relates to a message in tongues and interpretation, I believe there are also those who have been gifted the ability to see dreams and say, this is what that may mean. If God can give interpretation, then we take that interpretation back to Him and ask for confirmation. Fourthly, understand as it relates to dreams and visions, There's timing involved. How many of you have had a dream that you've been hanging on to for a long time? Hands up all over this place. Some of you have been questioning, what is going on? Why haven't I seen this yet? Do you recognize that God is at work on both sides of the issue? That it may be something that God has laid upon your heart and He is working on the other side of that because He's got things that He sees and abilities we don't know anything about. But I want you to know that when God speaks to us through dreams and visions, there's timing involved in those things. Sometimes He deposits them in your heart so to prepare you for when the opportunity comes, you can step forward in faith because He's already told you. And so understand that you may receive something that you do not fully understand, but the time will come when God will reveal it. And then lastly this, don't reveal your dream prematurely. One of my greatest fears for the church, particularly in this last days when when it is so easy for people to puff themselves up, is that for people that may be used to being spoken to in dreams and visions, people that may be used to be used in public prophecy, interpretation, that somehow in the church we begin to set an order by which we think they are more important spiritually than others. May I tell you that that is not true. Each of us have been gifted, and every one of those gifts is vitally important. But if you have a gift of dreams and visions Hold on to those things until you feel the prompting of the Spirit because He is preparing things. And for those of you that may, please do not let a spirit of pride enter into your heart that somehow you have achieved a level of spiritual um, superiority over others. Again, humbly, humbly we come before God. Humbly we come. Worship team, would you please come? If what God has given you is real and God-inspired, it may be for your future time, so some of you are going to need to hold those things which you have, and there will be a time to reveal it. One last thing, and I just add this in. 
I do believe that there's growth that takes place in the life of the believer in the process that happens in our life as God is giving us these things. God has not often spoken to me through dreams. I can think of twice in my life that I knew, most of the, mostly because I remembered them in the morning and I was able to write them down. Most of my dreams disappear when I wake up. I do believe there's been a couple of times when God has given me visions. Both of those times, it was not something that was immediate. It was something for the future. And when that event took place, I sat back and I'm going, okay, now that makes sense. But it was the process of trusting Him that began to do a growth work and a maturing work within our life. And I believe that that's important for all of us. So I conclude this message today with the same words that I have concluded every one of these messages as we have been talking about hearing God. As Samuel said, speak, your servant is listening.